please stand for the reading of the word of God. Our scripture for today is 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Now, concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying, there is peace in security, then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night of the darkness. So then, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But, that, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet of hope and salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up, just as you are doing. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Crystal. Um, to uh, man, thank you, worship team, for being spontaneous this week. So, uh, Christy is not big time sick. She's joining us online. Welcome, Christy. Um, but uh, she just kind of felt blah all week, and we were like, hey, we've never done this before, but why don't you stay home? She's never sick. And, and then, so some people on the worship team got. Uh, calls very spontaneous ways to say, please, uh, would you join us and, and lead? And so Amanda and Jason, uh, thank you all so much for stepping into that and, and the rest of the worship team. And, and man, I feel so blessed to have the team as well. Like I remember several years ago feeling called to plant this church and just wondering what that would look like and just even thinking like, man, I could not lead worship. Like, it would be terrible. And I had talked to some pastors who had planted churches, and it was like, yeah, we have nobody who's gifted in that way, so I just do it. And it's, you know, and I'm like, really? And I was just like, Lord, if, uh, if you would ever please send us a worship team, even in the first 10 years, that would be awesome. And so, so it's great, even uh, our worship leader, too, um, and which is a beautiful story in itself with Christy that, uh, that Patty and I had talked about it. My favorite worship leader at the church that we were a part of. We had, I think there were 200 musicians were a part of our church, so it was pretty crazy, and Christy was my favorite worship leader that we had, and so I prayerfully asked her if she would consider moving and leading worship, and she said no. <laughs> Straight up, it was like, nope, <laughs> not feeling it. So that's actually how I remember it, Christy, but uh, so it was, it was awesome uh, to see the Lord then later be like, no, I, I think he has called me to come, and then, and then to just see the worship team, even the point where Christy can step out and, and we can step into that moment because that's what it's about. It's about worshiping him, right? It's not about performance. It's about that we would come together in a way that we are, are just our hearts are really worshiping him and with abandon, just self-forgetfulness, and we're all in worshiping him. And it's been cool to see that grow. I want you to let you know, too, that is growing in the well, so if you aren't familiar with that, we have a student ministry that meets on Sunday nights. We typically have about 35 
middle school and high school kids that come together. We, we do it with, uh, in partnership with the Collins Christian Church. So we meet in the basement of the Collins Christian Church. So if you have any middle school, high school students that would love to be a part of that, um, it has been noticeable with the worship of that group um, that just the last several weeks, even people are noticing that, gosh, like these people are worshiping. Uh, they are not just because I think early on it was kind of like, is anybody even moving their mouths here? You know, and once again, it's not a performance. It's, it's, it's a heart. Right. But also like what we see in David is like when we are before God worshiping, like we shouldn't be able to hide it from our bodies. <laughs> like you should be able to look at a person and say, wow, they are worshiping their God, you know, and, and a lot of times our, our, our bodies get in sync with our our soul, and we're all in, and it's been great to see that happening with our student ministry, too. So wasn't planning on sharing any of that, So, uh, but uh, but just really grateful for our worship team, grateful for what Jesus is doing as he's building a church here. And we are in the last chapter of 1 Thessalonians. So we've been walking through, that's a lot of what our vision of a church is, is like, man, Lord, would you, as we gather together, would you teach us your ways through your word? And as you are forming us together, as you are discipling us, your word is instructing us, is encouraging us, is forming us, is discipling us to be your people in our community, be your people in our families, be your people as we look in the mirror and what we think and what we say and how we live. And man, part of my hope is over the years, we would hear the whole counsel of God together, right? Like we have been given this treasure and it would be a shame if it was like, yeah, we covered four verses of it. You know, it's like by his grace, he's given us minds. He's given us uh, an ability to actually be able to hear his word and to not want to get too far away from it. Not want to be like, well, it's been about 13 years since I've gone through the book of Romans, and it's like, wow, well, we're pretty far from it. Like, we need to actually get back in sync because we need the whole counsel of God to be influencing our whole lives. So for us to, we went through the book of Ephesians when we launched. We went through the book of Daniel. Now we're coming to the end of the book of First Thessalonians, praying about what books the Lord would lead us to in 2021 and how he would want to form us that way. Uh, but we'll be three weeks in chapter five. And so this is our, our first week in chapter five. And if you remember, last week, Jeff Nine was here, and I thought did a beautiful job leading us into the end of chapter four. And the big question that the Thessalonians were feeling and a lot of the early church was feeling this, was Jesus is coming back. Like we saw him ascend and he said, I'm coming back the same way. And it's like, okay, he's coming back. Let's all wait for him. And they really expected like, is it today? No. Okay. Is it today? No. Okay. Is it today? And that's how they lived in the early church was expecting Jesus was going to come back probably today, if not today, probably tomorrow. And so they had some people in their church who had died. And they were really concerned about those people missing out on Jesus. And so if you weren't here last week, Jeff did a great job really through First Thessalonians 4 with this question of, is Jesus just for some people? Like, did some people miss Jesus? Are some people not going to be able to enjoy all of life with Jesus? And beautifully, what we're told is that 
no, like Jesus is for all. Anyone who puts their trust in him. It's, the, it's one of the only prayers, I think, in the Bible that's answered immediately. Whoever puts their trust in Jesus is saved. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so beautifully, like, yes, Jesus is for everybody. No one is missing out here who is putting their trust in Jesus. Now, this week, there's another huge question that the church asked then, and that's when? <laughs> when is this going to happen? When is Jesus going to come back? I mean, that's like beyond like a COVID vaccine, which is important, like probably one of the most important things to discover would probably be when is Jesus coming back? Like, would that not form so much of, of our lives? And not just like when will Jesus return, but when will we know that he's going to be present with us? was then an additional question that the Thessalonian church was asking. And I don't know if we think about that very often, if we think about being with Jesus forever very often. Um, man, just think of this. Think of, think of never experiencing sin again. Think of us not sinning ever again, and then think of us never being sinned on against ever again. No sin. Think of there being no longer any death. Death is, no long, death is a memory of the way it used to be. And all the pain that's associated with death, all the pain that's associated with someone dying, all the pain that's associated with anniversaries and all sorts of things that, that take us right back there. And to know like that will be a memory when Jesus returns. Um, there'll be no longer any limited time. I don't know if you've thought about this. Limited time, you know how like we tell our kids, like you can be anything you want to be growing up. Like, hey, whatever you want to be, like you can be anything you want to be. Well, that's really not true. Because if it's like, okay, I want to be a, a concert pianist. Oh, and I want to be a doctor. Oh, and I want to like be an arborist. I love like chainsawing things and I, I want to like cut down trees for a living or something. Oh, and I want to be a farmer. Oh, and I want to learn how to like, like bake bread uh, professionally. Wouldn't that smell good, you know? And it's like, I can't do those things because I'm limited. Like you can't do everything. We are very limited people. If we say yes to something, we're saying no to a million things. And to realize we would, when Jesus returns, we'll enter a place where there's no longer limited time. You could say, you know what? I'm going to spend 15 years learning how to bake bread in the most amazing way. And it didn't cost you any. It was like, and after that, you're like, I'm going to pick up the piano. I have a good friend of mine that he, his passion in life, it's, it sounds so interesting. Uh, they've been missionaries in India for 20 years, and he's like, I love the piano, and I want to devote myself to the piano. And I was like, yes, like, I want to hear you play. And he's like, oh, no, I don't know how to play. He's like, I'm saving that for heaven. I'm going to save that for heaven. I'm going to learn the piano in heaven, you know, like, because there'll be unlimited time then, and I can dive into that, and it won't cost me other things. Like, that'll be the joy of discovery, the joy of learning, the joy of Jesus teaching us free from those restraints. Um, and then there won't be any distance from Jesus. Like, we are talked about, Jesus talks to us in Scripture in the way that, 
for us to be able to see, it says he will illuminate where we are. Like, I don't know what that means, but I know like there will be an intimacy with Jesus. We will see him face to face. There will no longer be this distance. And we could talk about heaven for a long time. We could talk about, we could keep teasing out all these things. But what the Thessalonian church is saying in the midst of such affliction and, and it just being a hard year for them is when does this start? When is this going to happen? When is the day coming that we are going to be able to live this way? So let's uh, walk down the road as Paul walks them down into in 1 Thessalonians 5, starting in verse 1. Now concerning the times and the seasons, brothers, what they've asked him about, you have no need to have anything written to you, for you yourselves are fully aware that the day of the Lord will come like a thief in the night. While people are saying there is peace and security, then suddenly destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman, and they will not escape. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief, for you are all children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. So the Thessalonians ask this when question, and Paul reminds them, so like you're like, man, I wish it would have just been answered with a date. <laughs> a date, like give me a time stamp. Well, the time stamp that he gives is he says, the day is coming. And by him saying the day, that is like when I say the day, you, you should be like, your mind should be flooded with like all sorts of scriptures. You're like, as we grow over time, like that day is something that we should just know as the day, and it should be a day like no other. Look how even Isaiah 21, or Isaiah chapter 2. Isaiah 2 is a place where it talks about the day. This verse, Isaiah 2, was written 500 years, over 500 years before 1 Thessalonians. And here's how Isaiah 2 talks about the day. The haughty looks of man shall be brought low, and the lofty pride of men shall be humbled, and the Lord alone will be exalted in that day. For the Lord of hosts has a day against all that is proud and lofty, against all that is lifted up, and it shall be brought low. From this passage from 1 Thessalonians 5, we, we can never forget it should be on the front of our minds, especially as we're in 1 Thessalonians, is the day is coming. So if, you're, if you are taking notes, I don't know if we have like, yeah, there it is. The day is coming. And would rural central Iowa know this? Would Collins Maxwell know this? Would Colonesco know this? Would Baxter know this? Would Wes Marshall know this? That the day is coming. Would it be so hard to get to hell from rural central Iowa? Because of the clarity which which we speak of the day is coming. This day is coming. And would just the curtain of confusion that I think Satan wants to just flood our area with of just comfort, confusion, half-truths of being like, ah, oh, there's not a day. There's not a day coming. Those people are crazy. But instead for us as people of truth, where verses like 1 Thessalonians 5, Isaiah 2, 
give us such clarity that the reality of that day, that day that's coming, would transform our lives, it would transform our communities. Look at verse 3 of 1 Thessalonians 5. It gives us the sober reminder that we're in a battle for truth. Look at this. While people are saying there's peace and security, hey, you don't have anything to worry about. You live in a land of peace. Do you have food in your, in your house? You're secure. Everything's fine. Don't worry about it. While people are saying there's peace and security, right while that's happening, hey, it's, you don't have to pay attention to all that. Then sudden destruction will come upon them as labor pains come upon a pregnant woman and they will not escape. It'd be like going, and I don't, we didn't intend, I think, for a pregnant woman to read <laughs> this. Uh, I don't think that was a, a planned crystal, but, um, but it'd be like telling a pregnant woman, like, it'll be fine. It'll be fine. You don't have to worry. It'll, it'll feel good, you know? It's like, that's not true. Like, only someone who doesn't know what they're talking about would say that. And, uh, and the same here. If we say peace and security when we're talking about that day, we don't know what we're talking about. We take this verse very seriously, um, and by taking this verse very seriously, it's why we have passion to share Jesus with everyone. This is why we have passion to disciple in very specific age-specific ways every child. So that's why we, we send a lot of our kids to kids' church to say, like, we want to disciple them in truth, to prepare them for that day to know that, that there is more than, um, than just drifting along with society. And we don't want sudden destruction to come on anyone on that day. If they try to stand before a holy God on their own merit, if when, I can't tell you how many times I have asked, well, it's probably 10 to 20 times in the last year that I've asked people in our community, if you were to stand before God and he's like, why should I let you in? They'll, they'll say, um, I've tried to live a good life. I've tried to be nice to people. I've tried to do more good than bad. Almost every person I ask says that. Like, that is the answer of our community. And that is basically saying, on my merit, I'm going to try to walk into heaven. And the Father is saying, I gave you so much more than that. I gave you my son so you wouldn't have to look to yourself for salvation. You can actually look to him for salvation. And what he did and the sacrifice was of such a magnitude, it would actually be offensive to have some other way. It'd be offensive to say like, oh, I, I don't think that's important. I'm going to try my own way. And for us to say, no, like this is very important for us to know the day that's coming. So if we are talking about the future, as the Thessalonian church was asking, we have to really soberly explain the gospel to our community who their default answer, and this was, my, this was everybody's default answer until we hear truth. And hopefully God says that is true to every heart. The way verses 4 and 5 talk about us who are in Jesus, not because of our merit, but because of his grace and his love and his kindness, the way they talk about those who are, look at, look at how they talk about those who are in Jesus, then look how they talk about those who are not currently in Jesus. This needs to be actively a part 
of how we see life. And that's why I think it's here. That's why we're here. That's why the Lord has led us here. Look again at this, verses 4 and 5. But you are not in darkness, brothers, for that day to surprise you like a thief. So Scripture says if you would be surprised by Jesus returning, if you would be surprised on that day, it uses the term that you're in darkness right now. And man, I, I got a text message about a year ago from a guy who said, hey, can you come over to my house right now? And it was on a Sunday morning. And I went over to his house, and I was like, what's going on? And I could tell he'd been super depressed, and he was like, darkness. He's like, everything is darkness. My life is so dark. And I was like, and I was actually in Ephesians preaching on this type of a passage that morning. And then, and he, within a week, gave his life to Jesus But here, it's like that is the state of those who are not in Jesus. But you are not in darkness, though. So this is written to people who have trusted in Jesus. You are not in darkness, brothers, for that day surprise you like a thief. Look how verse 5 speaks of people who have given their lives to Jesus. For you are all children of light. All refers to everyone who has put their trust in Jesus is referred to as a child of light. I mean, like this room, when all the windows are shut, is dark. I mean, when you walk in here at night, it is like you could do a haunted house in here very successfully. It is dark. And then when you flip those lights on, you don't have to like wait for all the darkness to, you know, leave through the exits. Like it just, when the light shines, the darkness is gone instantly. And that is how here we're spoken of, of that in Jesus, this is what is happening. And I'm going to speak of you to the point that you are children of light, children of the day. We are not of the night or of the darkness. There are so many sinful things that do happen during the day. But generally speaking, though, I think it, like we would all agree that uh, so many sinful things happen at night when it gets dark in the middle of the night, you know, you almost feel like you could hide from God or hide from, from uh, all sorts of things. And like, this is the imagery using here is that, is that even though sinful things happen during the day, but night is really speaking of this rebellion against God when, um, when the light is not shining. And he's saying that you are children of light, children of the day who are in Jesus. So what do we do with this? What do we do with like, this is what Paul says a lot. It's like, hey, here's how you are. Here's who you are. Now, how do I, what do I do? How do I live with what you're telling me? And so Paul almost always starts by saying, the book of Romans is this way. Ephesians is this way. Galatians is this way. Colossians is this way. Is I'm going to show you what's true. And then we'll talk about how to live in light of what's true. So how do we live in light of what we're hearing here? Uh, Verse six, so then let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. And there's imagery here, of course, like we all would uh, go crazy if we didn't sleep, but spiritually speaking, let us not sleep as others do, but let us keep awake and be sober. For those who sleep, sleep at night. Those who get drunk are drunk at night. Verse 8, but since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love, and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. 
So the, that kind of first section was us just knowing that we know that the day is coming. And then this section is just clearly writing for us to be awake. Be awake in 2020. Be awake in this week. Because it's possible, when it says be awake, it's possible that we can be asleep. As children of the light, we can be asleep. That, man, that could look like us just um, getting out of the habit of, of actually being in the Word of God. It, it's not, um, it shouldn't ever be a guilt trip for us. Uh, a mentor of mine once said, I study the Bible to learn about God. I read the Bible to be with God. Like there is a sense as his word is washing over us. There's great apps. There's an app called the Dwell app where you can choose like the greatest voices. I, have a, I was listening to the book of Ezekiel the other day by a guy from uh, Africa. And I was just like, this is amazing hearing this guy uh, read these words of scripture and just having them uh, wash over me. And, uh, and for us, like that helps us stay awake is to have truth continually in our souls and to have the Spirit then teach us His ways through His words. Um, falling asleep could us just not being engaged in a healthy church, not being engaged in the life of a healthy church. Um, man, this is a fear of mine for just all the lockdowns that happened because of COVID just worldwide. Uh, we have some friends that for over 80 days in Mumbai, India, were not even allowed to walk out their apartment. So they actually didn't feel the sunshine for over 80 days. And man, that like can really mess with you and that can really hurt you. And then for people who have not walked into, and there are blessings of online, uh, but to really say like, are you right in the heart of a healthy church? Now that might not be easy because sometimes like our sin is being brought straight forward and we're, we're wrestling with things. But to say, if I maybe am on the periphery of a church, I might be starting to fall asleep a little bit because I'm not actively in the middle of stuff. I, I had a mentor of mine, man, he was harsh saying it too, but he had been a pastor and then would have been a professor for decades. Uh, he was in his 60s at the time. And I remember him saying like, um, do you ever think that your family will be healthy if your family is not part of a healthy church? He's like, you know, so often it's like, hey, if like we'll be healthy with life over here with all sorts of like stuff that keep us crazy busy, and then if we have time, we'll be a part of a church. And this mentor was just like, he challenged me big time. And this, we didn't have kids at this time, but I just remember being like, holy smokes. It was like he hit me in the face with a two by four because he was like, do you, do you think that your family will ever, ever be healthy if you aren't in the middle of a healthy church? Because all of you need that. We all need that to be, to be sober, to be awake, um, to be able to, to really be directing each other and sharpening each other towards the Lord because we know the day is drawing near. Every day is one day closer to that day, and we need all of our senses working for us. We need to be physically awake, mentally awake, spiritually awake, sober. And as I've just like just thought through this passage this week, and just been like, okay, what is this passage like doing in my heart? There are three words that just keep like, like keep coming at me. And it's faith, hope, and love. Faith, hope, and love. Look at verse eight again. Since we belong to the day, let us be sober, having put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, 
the hope of salvation. I don't know if you ever think of yourself that way of like, hey, I'm armored up for my day. I'm armored up for this phone call that I'm getting ready to have. I'm ar- armored up as I heard a text come in and I'm kind of nervous to read it and I'm, I've got my armor on to read this text or I'm stepping into this situation that typically is filled with anxiety for me and I'm, I, I have my armor on to be able to, to step into that. And we covered this when we went through Ephesians. In Ephesians 6, it talks about the armor of God. What's interesting in Ephesians 6 is the armor is different. The breastplate in Ephesians 6 is righteousness. Here, the breastplate is faith and love, which I think means like, don't look too like, I think it's meaning like these truths from God are what really cover us and defend us so that we can be awake, so we can be sober. And so here, when we look at, first of all, uh, looking at our faith, faith and love, which make up this breastplate that defends our most vital organs, defends our heart, this breastplate of faith. And man, I think the for us to realize that the fire of our faith, for the, the fire of our faith needs to be burning hot. And it's okay to say, what's going on there? Is it hot? Is it cold? Asking ourselves this question, like, has my faith been strong recently? I don't ask myself that question very often. Has my faith been strong recently or has my faith been weak? And you might be like, oh, I've never talked to God about that. He might be upset. And I think he's like, no, like, this is why he's, he's like, no, I want to have this conversation. I'm big enough to handle this conversation. What's the state of your faith? Has it been strong? Has it been weak? God can handle this. And I think a great question, a great way to approach it, maybe even a great prayer is, Lord, would you increase my faith today? Lord, would you increase my faith today? Man, I want that armor to be strong. Would you increase my faith today? That's a powerful prayer. We might have to watch out. Sometimes when you pray that, it's like, can you handle this? What I'm going to do in the process of increasing your faith? And it might be like, well, I can if I'm surrounded by brothers and sisters who can come around me and lift me up. And that's, man, would we be that? Um, I think another question off of this with the breastplate is, how has my love been? How has my love towards others been? And this specifically is talking about in the room, like our relationships and how we're loving each other. Like, am I growing in bitterness? Am I growing in conflict? Am I growing in being offended by others? Man, is that not like the culture of our age is like, check Facebook to see what to be outraged about. You know, like, could I actually... um, grow in love, grow in forgiveness. I think a great prayer here is, Lord, would you deepen my love for other people? Would you show me where I need to be awakened to areas where my love has grown cold? Lord, would you show me areas where my love is strong? Encourage me there and be like, wow, your love is really strong here. Like more of that. More of that. He's a good father that's like, yes, he encourages what he likes seeing. And then he he, he grows us and disciples us. Faith, love, and hope. The helmet that's protecting our minds, the helmet that's protecting such an important part of us, our, our minds, 
is hope. And if I just went to like Rebecca M. Garten or somebody who's just like, have more hope, <laughs> it might be like, in, in what? Like, what should I have hope in? I, should I just have hope? What I love is it's not, it's not hope. It's hope of our salvation. The hope of our salvation. And hope is powerful. It's, it's powerful when it is rooted in the power of our salvation, the power of what Jesus has done for us. Um, even in the most disappointing of times, even in the most depressing of times. And I think that's why that helmet is so important, is in the most depressing times, if like November 3rd goes the exact opposite way you want it to go, if things happen over the next six months that go the exact opposite way that you want them to go, the power of the hope of our salvation, the grounding of our hope of our salvation is why that's our helmet, why that's protecting our minds. Uh, look at verse 9 here as it keeps. Here's the foundation of this guaranteed salvation. For God has not destined us for wrath. God has not destined us for wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we might live with him. So a lot of stuff is happening in these two verses. What I think one thing to, to really hone in on is we're destined for this. I mean, do you think of your salvation, those who put your faith in Jesus and said, I'm destined for this. He's destined me for this, for where I live, how my life is, and for, for what he's doing as I trust in him, I'm destined not for wrath, but I'm destined for this to obtain salvation through my Lord Jesus Christ who died for me so that whether I'm awake or asleep, I might live with him. So he's changed the imagery here a little bit. And this is how Thessalonians and other parts talks about it is being awake is being alive and being asleep is being dead. And so here he says, so that whether we're awake or asleep, we might live with him. And I think Paul's doing something here that I think is a little tricky, and at first I didn't see it. But then I was like, he answered the question. He answered the when question here. Jesus, when will I be with you? And here what's beautiful is he's saying, hey, if you're awake right now, if you're alive, or if you've passed away, you're with him. You are with him. And so that's one of the ways he's not like trying to not answer the question. He's saying like, yes, there are aspects of like, I can't wait for there to be no sin. But the beauty in Jesus is he has covered our sin. He's paid for our sin. Be like, man, I can't wait till there's no death. And the beauty of that is he has conquered death through his resurrection. You can say like, man, I can't wait till things are just unlimited and there's no longer any limited time. And for us to realize, hey, in him, we, we do exist forever. That's C.S. Lewis has a great quote about you've never met a mere mortal. It's immortal people that, that we do life with because every human being will exist forever in one or two places. And those who are in Christ can say that whether I am awake or asleep, we might live with him. We are living with him whether we are awake or asleep. And this is a, the beautiful answer and, and I think the beautiful offer to all people. And why, man, would the Lord just continue to save people? The baptism that we had last week, would we continue to just have to fill up the baptismal every week as we're seeing people who are realizing that 
the salvation that they're destined for and being able to step into that salvation. And then verse 11 wraps up the way that the last section wrapped up. Therefore, encourage one another and build one another up just as you are doing. I mentioned this in our prayer before the service. We pray about 9.15. You're welcome to join us. But if, you, if it, we just said, hey, our goal this week is to discourage one another. I think it would be pretty easy. <laughs> it's like, man, what are discouraging things I can text to people? What are discouraging conversations I can have with people? What are discouraging things I can post on Facebook? You know, what are, and it's like, man, all that I have to really do is just float downstream. And I can discourage one another. But there's an intentional, I think, turning upstream and going against the current to actually encourage and build one another up. And this is the way that the section wraps, is encourage one another, build one another up, just as you are doing with what we're hearing. So as we, as we go from here, as we're sent from here, how should we feel? We should feel encouraged. You should be like, man, I feel encouraged today. Um, Tim's like an okay preacher, but I feel like really encouraged because it's not, it's not how I'm saying, it's what I'm saying. It's what we are looking at together, which is the salvation that we have like deep hope in, that truly like our faith, our love, our hope really is what will keep us awake. Like he will give us the power to live the way he's designed us to live. Not only should we feel encouraged and build up today, but these thoughts should be on our minds. Like if you're, even if you're in a combine this week, like realizing like, man, these are, these are riches I can meditate on as I'm working. No, in any ways that, that we are walking in this week, uh, that we can encourage each other, we can text each other, we can call each other, we can speak face to face with each other. Man, what a great message of saying, hey, just was thinking about you and just wanted to let you know that you're a child of the light. You're a child of the light. Live in the light. And then to really like sit in that and be like, wow, I am a child of the light because of what Jesus has done for me and the amazing salvation that I have obtained by his gift and his grace. I didn't deserve any of it, but I receive it. He has removed my sins as far as the east is from the west. He has given us each other. He has given us each other to shine in each other's light or lives as we are walking in the light together. And uh, man, Lord, I just ask that you would guide us more and more into what it looks like. It's probably going to be in community groups, but it'll, it'll be in all sorts of ways that we connect in our community. Would you give us the ability to encourage each other? Would you give us the ability this week to build each other up? That might seem risky. Maybe uh, we'll, we'll risk it and uh, the person won't receive it that way. Or, well, Lord, would you just allow us to risk it? Would you allow us to learn how to build each other up around the treasure that we have in these truths, speaking accurately about you? Lord, I thank you that we're not destined for what we deserve, which is wrath. Thank you that we're destined to obtain salvation. Would you make us your servants, Lord? Would you increase more and more being the Lord of our life? Thank you that, that we get to live in you. And for the people here 
who um, maybe are terrified thinking about the day of the Lord because they're far from you. Lord, like the prodigal son, would they come running home to you? Lord, you are our home. Would they come running to you? Would they give their lives to you? Would all of us, wherever we're at with you right now, Lord, would we not try harder to live this out, but would we go to you to form us, to disciple us, to make these truths characteristic of us in our lives and in our community? Jesus, we pray these things in your name. Amen. Amen. All right, man, let's be encouraged. I think one of the beauties that the Lord gave us to commune with him is communion. It's his idea. He says he will do this in person with us on that day. But before that day, for us to do this as often as we do it in remembrance of him, communing with him. We have wine and juice. Obey your conscience there. Warnings in scripture are for those who are followers of Jesus to not come too quickly to the table. Any sin that the Lord shows to you, repent of that sin. Any place where we need to ask for forgiveness, if the Lord makes that clear to us, do that. Then let's come to the table. Uh, Let's come. If you are not a follower of Jesus, come to him. Come to him first, give your life to him, then come to the table. So what we'll do is come, grab a cup, and then there's, there's bread underneath, and then wine or juice above, and so just grab one of those, and then separate it. So uh, come, we'll take the elements, and then let's stay standing, and we'll take it together as family.